Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Scene Podcast. Welcome, first-time listeners, to the Two Scene Podcast, the podcast where two aspiring sports journalists sit down and talk baseball. I am your host, Tyler Foy, and alongside me today, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Nathan Lannon. And Nate, yeah. today we have a very we special, have a special guest. guest. Another up-and-coming journalist coming from Central Florida, Camilo Fonseca. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Tyler. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. A Tampa Bay Rays fan joins the already Yankees (laughs) negative podcast. Uh, Very excited to have you here. And how has your season been uh, for you? How have you seen the Rays? It's been certainly very positive. I mean... um, Obviously, it's looking very positive now, but much more so than in February when everybody had written us off. Um, I had you written off, and that I was didn't. on the podcast. He I did, did not, not have them written Nate off. Nate did not right. have you written off, but I when you guys lost sale or <laughs> when you guys lost Snell and you yeah. guys lost Morden, I was very concerned about what the future looked because I already didn't believe in your offense. Right, because the cracks were there in the World Series, right? Um, so there was really the concern whether that was like a streak, like a one-and-done, uh, one-hit-wonder team last year. But no, I think this year has, has really proved that there's something special there. Um, Kevin Cash knows what he's doing. I'm still a defender of Kevin Cash for that You're decision. You're a defender <laughs> of I Kevin think, Cash? I don't, I, mean, I don't think they would have won that game even if Snell had stayed in yeah. another two innings. To be fair, to be fair, uh, this is the first 100-win season in the history of the in the in Rays franchise history, and I don't know if they would have gotten there without Kevin Cash, right. even if he did make some questionable decisions in the World Series last year. Yeah, absolutely. That 100-win season came without Snell, without Charlie Morton, yeah. without Tyler Glasnow for the most part, because he got injured in, like, June. Right. So we've just been trying to figure out our, ro- our rotation, like, essentially the entire season. You, I mean, even traded away Diego Castillo right. midway there for the bullpen. I mean, it just feels like every single pitcher that comes out of Tampa is like an all-star performer. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's so weird because so many of them have been cast off, or, or I, I don't know how they do it. Honestly, I don't know how yeah. Kyle Snyder. It's, I mean, their their uh, pitching development, their pitching coaching must be awesome because what like whenever they like because they keep ra- uh, raking in these pitching prospects and they keep uh making these fines and getting these trades like when they like trading for tyler glasnow like he wasn't that great in pittsburgh and suddenly he revives to this hype that he had before with the rays like it's it's uh pretty incredible what they can do with pitchers that maybe other people have counted out before yeah absolutely absolutely shuttling the way that they shuttle people back down to the minor like one pitcher i don't know if y'all know lewis head he's been down to the minors up and down something like 10 times over the entire season and he's had great starts but they want to give him uh they just want to give him playing time so similar it's, it's... to tanner halk who's been optioned to triple a about like 10 times yeah. this season they just kind of bounce up and down could be a little heim bloom effect right there from yes, coming from the Rays certainly. organization. But the Rays are in the playoffs. And let's move into what we are talking about this episode, which is talking about the playoffs and our wild card um, recaps. Getting into it, Yankees, Red Sox. The Red Sox beat the Yankees. Guys, I know. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> oh, God very bless. excited. Very yeah. excited about that one. Rip Bozo. Yeah, that was, um, <laughs> that was a very enjoyable game to watch. I Extremely. Think. Not even because I'm rooting. Obviously, I have no... No particularly love for the Red Sox, especially right now. But to see the Yankees just 
utterly collapse yeah. that way. To see Garrett Cole go down and just flames. fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> Cathartic. Yeah. It was just like, oh, this is, I, I was sitting there watching it. And it's like, you know, for one day, I am a Red Sox fan. This is really nice. This is, this is just nice watching the Yankees just fall all over themselves. And typically, Nate, days that you do choose to be a Red Sox fan, the Red Sox do lose. Typically, yes. <laughs> they do. So, yeah. They do typically very dangerous. Lose I say, you know what? I'm going to root for the Red Sox today. I'm going to go to a few games and they lose. But no, I think it's. I think uh, my luck with the Red Sox has turned around because I went to see uh, Red Sox Mets a few weeks ago and the Mets got absolutely destroyed in both games. I think so, it's just there's something we, about when you go to a baseball game, whoever you're rooting <laughs> for, whoever I'm rooting for, just just can't can't live up to it they can't live up to my expectations and garrett no matter cole, even what they are and garrett cole couldn't live up to the expectations <laughs> that yankees fans had going into the season of course you rely on garrett cole when you're paying him over 300 million dollars to be that guy in the postseason you can rely on and when he came to fenway this year i mean he was terrible he was pulled out in the third inning xander bogarts with a home run in the first i mean the red sox jumped out to an early lead but that could have been completely changed if the Yankees had gotten out to that first home run from Stanton in the first yeah. inning. I mean, what a performance yeah. by Stanton, guys. Yeah. yeah. He's he's about the one guy, I think, who stayed hot that game for the Yankees. It, like, beyond that, they just couldn't hit anything. Right. And, and, of course, Stanton does get a home run in that game, but he goes off the monster twice, which I don't know if you guys were listening to the broadcast at all, mm. but they sold that home run so hard. Not the... The one they yeah. actually hit, but the first yeah. at bat of the game, they were yeah. like, "It's out of here! It's on Lansdowne! <laughs> it's on Lansdowne!" And it hits yeah. off the top of the wall. I mean, like, thank oh, God. Well, that... maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> thank God that game was in Fenway. Right. Yeah. Super important. Super important that that game was in Fenway. If it was in Yankee Stadium, that game is completely different. Yeah. yeah. That game reminded me why I love A Rod so much. Why yeah. I love his commentary. Yeah. Yeah. Just what what a what great insight from yeah. the the broadcasters that game. Right, Class especially act, really. when they went and talked for three innings straight about the difference of third base coaching. I don't know if you guys were listening to that <laughs> yeah. part yeah. as well. But that did play a big factor in the game. I mean, A-Rod's not wrong when Aaron Judge gets sent home on a perfect relay from the Red Sox and gets caught out at the plate. I mean, right. multiple players went on to say that's when the momentum changed. I don't know if that's how you guys felt. I mean, right off the bat when Xander Bogarts hits a home run, I was oh, yeah. feeling pretty positive. But right. I don't know if that's when the momentum, I'd say, changed. I think it was. I think it could have changed there. Right. You had the opportunity to stop yeah. Boston in its tracks. You could have stopped the bleeding, but they just couldn't get together in time. Like I, I also thought in the broadcast, it was really funny to see. Uh, I think it was on the Mount Green. I, I remember hearing the broadcast. It's like, look at his face as he watches it fly. Dude, he looked just terrified. <laughs> he was terrified when yeah. when Rafael Devers did hit that fly ball to center field. Yeah. Of course, only resulting in an out. But he was super terrified when yeah. he um, when Devers made contact there. Just, I think in general though, I don't feel like the Yankees misplayed. They they're like pitching staff i feel like they put the right people in at the right times to get the job done but and just it's baseball right i mean different hitters different time periods and every single at bat's going to be different so um the red sox were able to execute alex verdugo was able to execute he was able to get three rbis on the night of course i have an alex verdugo jersey that i bought before the season so i'm very proud to rep that every single time now uh he just comes up clutch i i have been very cold on Alex Verdugo 
for a lot of the season. Right. Um, just because I've only seen him play, really, I've only seen him play the Rays, and he's been at some pretty costly errors in a lot of those oh, games. Oh, he's not baseball <laughs> smart, but he can make uh -huh. contact every once in a while right. when he needs and to. And he really <laughs> was clutch that game. I, don't, I think it was like the second RBI that he had. Right, he had um, three RBIs on the night. Which fun fact? He feels like Verdugo feels like he's got the most heart on uh, of any member of the Red Sox right now. Right, like I, he's he's just like he's just the heartbeat of that team. I feel like I don't know if I'd go to say or, that. I just maybe, say he's but, the flashiest yeah. player on the sure. team and maybe yeah. most most marketable on that team at the moment. But I would still say Xander Bogarts, Devers yeah. are the heartbeats of the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, maybe he's not the statistical heartbeat of the team or. Or the uh, strongest bat in the lineup, but um, I definitely feel like he's—he he definitely is the flashiest member of that team. He, I, I think, the most remarkable thing about him is that, like, more so than any other player on the team, like he bring, like he brings more visible life than I'd say any other Red Sox I've watched this season. We call those spark plugs yeah. in baseball—people that can plugs. really, you know, <laughs> light up a light up an offense when need to, you know, when he needs to, and and he definitely does that for the team. And one pinpoint that I want to talk about is the last play of the game or I guess the last half inning of the game where Garrett Whitlock is put into the game to close out the Yankee season fun fact Garrett Whitlock was a rule five draft pick from the Yankees to the Red Sox so I feel like Alex Cora almost planned that I mean it was so beautiful that a former Yankee was able to close out the season for them the Red Sox move on to the American League Division Series Verdugo Red Sox and moving forward, we move to the second wild card game, the nationally wild card game, where the Cardinals faced off against the Dodgers. Now, me and Camila, we watched this game in the office while working very hard on our respective yeah. work. Yeah. Oh, that we absolutely. Had. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> it was very difficult to stay on task, at least for me. I didn't have much going on, but I'm sure you had very a much. A lot of stuff that didn't get done that night when it needed to, I think because of how entertaining that game was. I mean, me and Nate, we, we, we predicted it. We said this we game was going to be a pitcher's duel to the very end of the game, and it right, was. Right. It was, right until the uh, Chris Taylor walk-off right at the end. It was uh, it was truly quite the pitching battle. I mean, Adam Wainwright, yeah, I don't know if uh, everyone saw it, but the uh, line drive back at the mound that Wainwright immediately caught as soon as it was hit, that was uh, a Marcus Stroman-esque pretty brilliant play. Uh, overall, though, it was quite the pitching duel. Um, the Dodgers do come out on top, though. And Camila, what did you have going into that series? I mean, I mean, how did you feel the Dodgers were going to perform against the Cardinals? Um, I was very skeptical going into that series of the Dodgers' chances. Uh, not because I think they're a poor team at all, but they have just been hit with a bunch of injuries. I think Max Muncy's out, Clayton Kershaw's out, which I still think those two are going to be real big problems for them going forward uh, in this series against the Giants. Um, but I guess they, they managed to cobble it together on Wednesday. It took until, what, the bottom of the ninth, but it worked. Right, and, and Scherzer came out there to start that game versus Adam Wainwright. We, we previewed that matchup yeah. of how important of a game it was, of course, and just how well those teams have, or those players have been performing up to that point. But Scherzer didn't look his best despite only, only Cardinals scoring one run. I mean, he got taken out in the fifth inning, went four and one-third, and he, he was he was a little wild in, in yeah. terms of what you expect from Mad Max. Adam Wainwright delivered in his appearance, went five and one-thirds innings with five Ks. But overall, I feel like the pitching in that game was just so key from both bullpens, from the starters. 
I mean, it was exactly what you want from postseason baseball. Every single right. person on base mattered, and the Cardinals couldn't execute when they had runners on the pond. They yeah. had mm-hmm. 11 men in scoring position, or they had 11 chances with men in scoring position. They couldn't get it done, and that's how baseball works. You have to score to win the game. Right. Mm-hmm. It also felt like, I, we referenced this in the last episode, where it felt like something had to give with these two teams, and I just thought like the tension kept building in the air because for a while just nothing would give even till the very last inning until the very last chance the Dodgers had to win nothing was giving like nothing would like it made it very yeah. easy to watch in the newsroom as well because we were able to like <laughs> yeah. tune back in do a little work tune back in and the game was still Same tied score, yeah. <laughs> yeah. didn't feel like we missed anything Despite, of course, not being an offensive game, though, it would have you captivated and on the edge of your seat the entire game because that's how much each single run mattered for this team. Of course, as Nate mentioned, Chris Taylor walked it off in the bottom of the ninth with a two-run shot. And, Nate, we almost predicted how that game was going to finish with Albert Pujols getting the first pinch hit appearance in that ninth inning. (laughs) I was very excited in the newsroom. I saw saw that he got pinched in and I was like, no way. I I just looked at my team and I was like, no freaking way. (laughs) And I was like, if this happens, I, I need to... Uh, commit to being a psychic full-time. Like, oh my God. It would have been something special. (laughs) Of course, he did go into a 3-0 count and then flew out to center field on a pretty well-struck ball. But, I mean, I don't know personally. The Dodgers end up winning, but I don't know if I would tell Pujols to swing at a 3-0 count in that situation. I think I'd rally that base runner a lot more. Yeah, I know. I agree. I think I would have just taken the walk there, definitely. But at the same time, my soul would have really loved him to swing. My soul was just, like, clamoring for it, you know? It would have been something of a spectacle, but the Dodgers take the win regardless. Moving on to the Giants-Dodgers series, which is what we've been wanting to, you know, we wanted to see that. Yes. It's going to be super exciting, and you guys should keep your eyes on it. We'll give you more of a preview scope later in the episode, but let's start recapping those first games of the American League Division Series that we saw um, yesterday night in terms of the recording of this podcast. Um, the White Sox versus the Astros. The Astros win the game 6-1. to one, Pretty dominant fashion, too. How did you guys feel about them winning that game? And then how about this series going forward? Like, what are you guys thinking? Yeah, uh, in the duel of Lance's, uh, Lance McCullers won decisively. The Astros 6-1 uh, over the White Sox. They, I mean, the Astros looked every bit of the world beaters that I think were favored at the beginning of the playoffs, and they're, I definitely think they have ALCS upside. I definitely think they'll make it. I've already said I have them winning this series, but yeah, the batting was white hot. Lance McCullers puts up more performances like this in the playoffs. The Astros will go really far, but uh, yeah, no, what happened with the White Sox? They just couldn't get anything. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you taking the Astros all the way to the ALCS. Mm. Um, I really think yesterday the White Sox did not have a great performance, but I think uh, game two is going to be a lot closer. Um, Giolito pitching is going to be a big boon. Um, yeah, I just, I'm just i not convinced that that, that Astros team is a, is a big contender. I know I'm kind of going against the grain there, but maybe it's, it's my uh, hope. <laughs> my personal Optimism. my per, my personal yeah. I think for the most part all of us don't want to see yeah. the Astros no succeed. Wants, yeah, no one wants to see the Astros succeed outside of 
well, Astros fans. And I mentioned but at the same that. time, underrated yeah. underrated part of this series. I also don't want Tony Larusa to succeed. But that's a hot take. I don't know yeah. what you have so much against. You have so much hate. Towards I just Tony don't. LaRusso. I don't think I don't hate Tony Larusa. I just Sounds think like <laughs> I don't. Hey, hey, I don't hate Tony Larusa. I just think that his mindset towards the unwritten rules of baseball is just too archaic to root for. Like especially with that drama with Yerman Mercedes against Cleveland earlier in the year, like when he didn't support his own player. Like that was like that was like a line for me. I was like, okay, defend your own players. Apparently, I've heard that some of that was was misrepresented. Um, and I think you're, I don't think Yermin Mercedes is necessarily, he was entirely in the right in that situation either. Um, I, I don't mind you, you, you get not, paid in the yeah. sport of baseball, you get paid for your statistics and where he is in arbitration in three years, that's when he starts arbitration because he's such a late bloomer in right. baseball. I mean, they're going to look back at all of the statistics and he's going to be awarded money based off of how he plays. I mean... That one home run or those four RBIs that he doesn't have on his stat sheet going forward could be like be a major deal breaker for him in the future. I mean, yeah. you got to work in this sport Every to get counts. paid. And I I have nothing against him. Or if any player was to hit a grand slam off of a position player in that sense. I thought yeah. I I, to I thought you were talking about the incident later in the the season. I that oh, I to oh, no. that one totally slipped my mind. I don't know why. Yeah. I was thinking of his his uh, retirement and all the oh, drama that came yes. out of that. That oh, was no. something different. No, I agree with you. He absolutely should have swung on that pitch. <laughs> yeah. Um but no, I think this team is winning. If they win this series, it will be in spite of Tony La Russa. <laughs> um, and yeah. that is a testament to the strength of this lineup and especially of this rotation. Um, they were my World Series picks or yeah. for the American League to make it to the World Series before the season yeah. started. So obviously I have a lot of confidence and I want to back them as much as I can. But that Astros team that I wish could be super unsuccessful has shown so much light for this season, despite them being the dark side of baseball. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I will say one more thing about the White Sox is that they do, I agree with you guys that they do have the talent to go all the way, but at the same time, one thing that concerned me going into the playoffs was their record against winning teams in the regular season. It was sub 500, which again, I didn't know how that would translate going into this postseason. They, I think in game two, they look pretty good so far, but at the same time, but uh, starting out the playoffs with uh, an embarrassing loss to the Astros is not a great is not a good sign for them going forward definitely not something you want to see from a team that you uh had such high hopes for at the beginning of the season to make it to the very end but i mean those those white Sox, i still have a lot of hope for them they have a very young team and they're super good on both the offensive side and defensive side of the ball and i mean their pitching is up there with some of the best i mean lance land carlos rodon and giolito to get the job done to start. Of course, Lance Lynn having a terrible day in his debut or postseason debut with the White Sox. Of course, he has a lot of postseason experience from the bullpen to starting jobs, but he threw 97% fastballs to the Astros, and Astros this season have hit 290 against the fastball, and that includes cutters, sinkers, two-seamers, four-seamers, which is all the things that Lance Lynn throws. He just kind of has a fastball that tails in different directions and I don't know if they should have went with the game plan that they had for Lance Lynn because that's his MO the entire season he, he throws fastballs and I feel like they could have changed it up a little bit going into the game knowing that how well the Astros hit the fastball 
potentially, if they're hitting the fastball so well, they might be using trash cans, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, the White Sox. We got to listen closer in the next broadcast. For the little, tra- little trash cans from the Astros, we'll see <laughs> whether or not they're using some sort of technology here. But what did you guys see from the game, um, that first divisional round game? Well, the White Sox throwing o- pretty mo- almost exclusively fastballs against the Astros did not help, considering, like you said, they've hit 290 against fastballs this year. Uh, I-, I think uh, game plan-wise, the White Sox might as well have played right into the Astros' hands. Uh, hitting wise, the Astros were their usual selves. Like uh, Yuli Gurriel, uh, Jordan Jordan Alvarez was probably the biggest bat of the night. Your bombs had a yeah. home run, had a double on the day. He did very well, performed very well, which is something that you know Astro fans have been you know longing for. Jordan Alvarez, and he's kind of he's out of all the young stars in baseball right now. I feel like he gets talked the least about, despite his huge contribution to the team most people bring up Vladdy Guerrero Jr. or Tatis Jr. but they don't they always leave out Jordan Alvarez he's just as good as a hitter he just doesn't get as much attention drawn to him well yeah but I also feel like that's because people don't want to draw positive attention to the Astros or the young players that they have (laughs) and of course the one of their young players showed out in the uh game yesterday the um rookie Jake Myers had a RBI single in his first ever postseason at bat. I mean, what a way to start your postseason uh, career, especially if you're on a team like the Astros, who seem like they're going to be back and around the postseason pretty often. Yeah. So, I mean, good on him. You love to see it. You hate to see it if you're anybody else in the major leagues. But <laughs> we got to move on to the other American League Divisional Series game, which was the Rays versus the Red Sox in Tampa. The Red Sox might have been outmatched in that performance as they scored zero runs while the Rays took the game 5-0. Camilo, very excited to talk about this topic, I'm that sure. Was a, that was a fun game for me to watch. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, there was some really impressive moments in there. We were talking about Jake Myers' first postseason hit. Wander Franco, I think his first at bat, first inning, was uh, RBI hitting Randy Rosarena home. Right, I mean, you gotta if you, when you start a postseason career, you want to come out strong, especially when you were the number one prospect for the last two years. And everybody knows this now that listening to the podcast, I was very high on Wander Franco for a while there, so I'm glad to see that he's uh, coming to fruition again. But it's super bittersweet every single time he does it because <laughs> his first major league home run was against the Red Sox. Now his first postseason RBIs against the Red Sox. I mean, why is he torturing me the way he is? I don't know. I don't know. I got my I got my Wander Franco jersey at, at his second game in the majors and his second game against the Red Sox. So, I don't know. It must be maybe he has Boston's number. <laughs> yeah, Wander Franco's having uh, quite the start to his postseason. I think it was I think it's uh, quite fortunate for him that it was against a team he's been hot hot against all year. But I definitely don't think this will be the last time we hear Wander Franco's name this postseason. I think he's going to light it up. Absolutely not. I don't believe so. And I'm sure Camilo doesn't believe so either. What? But, I mean, just just going back to that idea of the Rays having a system of rookies and young players that really show out. I mean, last year was Randy Arozarena. This year could be Wander Franco. But Randy Arozarena had a big game last night, Randy too. Randy Octoberena. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> um, so... I don't know. I think it's the cowboy boots that he wears exclusively during the postseason. 
He had them last October. We know how good he did then. And he didn't wear them at all during the regular season. People were saying, hey, well, where is October Randy? And obviously, October Randy wasn't going to come back for 162 games. Um, but in one game in the postseason, you know, stealing home, that is the, I read somewhere, it's the first straight steal of home uh, since 1955 in a World Series. You want to know who the last person to steal home in a World Series was? Who? Jackie Robinson. Really? Yeah. Oh. So, That's a fun category to be a part of for Randy. Right, yeah. Of course, he has made his own mark on baseball history with his 27 hits um, for a postseason run and 12 home runs that he hit last year. Of course, with the boots on, I didn't even know that there was this whole Randy uh, has cowboy boots yeah. now and he performs better with well, them. Well, he races horses. against horses, too. Have you seen that video? I have not. He, he's faster than a horse. He's I don't know. I, I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. But... You know, you might be pushing it on faster than a horse, but he did steal home. Uh, of course, the game was already... Locked up at that point. Yeah, it was pretty locked up at that point for the, uh, for the Rays there. And the Red Sox couldn't get the job done. They left eight men in score or left eight men on base and were one and seven in runners in scoring position. I mean, they out hit the Rays in the game, but they lost. I mean, they got shut out. And I just, I feel like it was unlucky for the Red Sox. And I think... Tonight's going to be a better night for them. Uh, I, I has to be a better night for them because they didn't score anything last night despite having the men on base and despite getting the hits. So I think something's going to crack for the for them this today. I think so. I think they'll get a, a run in, certainly, although um, I, I wouldn't be too uh, optimistic about that with Shane Boz on the mound um, just because, obviously, he's somewhat of an untested uh, factor in the postseason, but I, I think him and Shane McClanahan last night, they're both our, our most promising starters. So I'm, I expected a lot last night from Shane McClanahan. He delivered, um, so I think tonight is going to be similar. As Nate would say, I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays pitching factory is a well-oiled machine. It's a well-oiled machine. <laughs> it's, yeah, a well -oiled it's a well-oiled machine. machine. And they just always have somebody next. I mean, McClanahan, they have now Shane Boz. They just have guys that are able to perform in the big moments as well. And we'll see whether or not Boz can confirm that theory when he comes out tonight. Of course, the night of the podcast, you viewers will know the result of the game. But when he comes out tonight and, and see what he can do in his first postseason baseball game. Right. Yeah. I Speaking of pitching last night, just to circle back to that, I wanted to ask you, Tyler... What you thought of the uh, the Yankees esque decision? I thought um, to take Eduardo Rodriguez out of the game in the second inning. Um, well, I saw that and I was I was honestly baffled because he he wasn't pitching fantastic, but there were only I think three runs uh, or maybe even two, two runs. runs. It was two runs at the time, so I don't know. I I was very confused, especially when you're putting your bullpen in for the entire, like, seven innings. I think Pavetta pitched five innings yesterday. So you, what do you think Cora should have done in that situation? Honestly, I don't really have that much to say about that decision. I mean, I, I felt that Erod was going to do a little better in this game. I mentioned it in the column that we both wrote together about it. But, I mean, his last start against the Rays was ex exceptional. You know, we shut out the Rays in their start. Of course, that was at Fenway. Very different atmosphere. But, I mean, Erod's been bad all season. I mean, he's been, uh, has a career low season here. And I don't think that there was any question that you shouldn't pull him. Because 
at the end of the day, it's postseason baseball and every single game counts, and he's just trying to make it so it's a little more competitive going down the stretch, of course, of throughout the rest of the seven and one-third inning that is left in the game. And, of course, maybe it didn't pan out, but who knows whether or not we would have seen even more runs scored for that Tampa Bay Rays offense if we had not taken him out. Maybe Pavetta should have started the game. Maybe he should have been the guy to go out there on the bump, but... Cora felt strong about Erod. It made sense looking at his last start, and he just couldn't get the job done. But Chris Sale comes out tonight, and hopefully he can go about six innings, help out that bullpen, get some rest. Yeah. I think if we're talking about pitching duels in this uh, series, this will be the game uh, for that. Um, yeah, you're going to want to watch it. You're going to want to stay tuned for Chris Sale versus Shane Baz and... It just should be exciting. Of course, they line back up once again, I believe, for Game 5 if we make it there. I don't know if that's going to happen, but Red Sox need to take this game tonight in order to keep that dream alive. And, of course, going back to Fenway is going to be a big up for them because Game 3 is going to definitely have Nathan Eovaldi on the mound. I don't know what it might look like for Tampa, but um, we, we're going to need this game in order to, to have high hopes coming home. Yeah. I think something that hasn't really been talked about last night is how uh, how a full atmosphere at Tropicana Field, uh, a stadium that notoriously has, you know, I'll admit it, poor, less than average attendance. Then there are uh, various reasons why. Maybe it's because it's a stupid dome that. You know. I'm not. I'm not going to open that box of worms. Uh, I think we could do a whole episode on why Tropicana is the way it is. Even with all of those uh, problems, I think having that stadium full or, or almost full, um, the 300 level, again, was I don't think was entirely full, but I think having been in the stadium, having that sort of crowd is, is insane. Um, I think that really is, has been a boon to this Rays team in the past couple of weeks. Um, and I don't know, it'll be interesting to see how they play in Boston. I think because of their attendance issues, um, it may not phase them as much having an entirely hostile crowd um, as it maybe it w- does the Yankees, who always play to to games that are almost sold out. Right. Um, and, and, and it just goes to show because, I mean, the Rays made it to the World Series last year with no fans in the stands up until the right. series that were played in Texas. So, I mean, of course, and they weren't even playing on their home field the entire time. It was such a weird postseason last year that you can only take a few things from it besides you know, the players' performances, of course, and right. how well they did. But, I mean, I, I think the Trop is undervalued in terms of that, that aspect, and that's why they were going to move to Montreal, am I right? Uh, again, we're not going to... I'll be on another episode to talk about that. I got a lot, a lot of words to say on that topic, but... Um... But we do got to move forward because yeah. we are on a little bit on the overside here for the podcast. But we do have to talk about the other divisional series on the other side of the pond, the National League. Look at the series that we got going against the Brewers and the Braves. Of course, we mentioned that this was going right. to probably be the least watched game yeah. uh, of this postseason just because of maybe notoriety and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, most people don't give credit to... Notoriety is they just... don't give credit to the Brewers, though, and the yeah. jobs that they've yeah. been able to do this season. I mean, what an insane pitching staff. And for Game 1, the Charlie Morton versus Corbin Burns, of course, two Cy Young candidates for that competitive National League Cy Young. But, of course, you know a good bit about um, Charlie Morton here, uh, Camilo. What, what is your favorite part of his arsenal, and what does he bring to a team like that? 
I think he is I, like so many Rays pitchers. He is the the consummate veteran. Right. Um, he's had a career for something like fifteen years, ten years in the majors. Um, the actual count is escaping me, but I think he's he's stable. You can trust him. Mm-hmm. I think uh, he has the command that maybe wasn't there, at least for the Rays, might not have been there for Tyler Glasnow right. or Blake Snell. I don't remember what game it was last year. Um, I think it was uh, against Houston he was pitching. It, it might have been the single best pitching performance I've ever seen uh, from Charlie Morton. Um, so I really think he, he brings a lot to the Braves. Right. Um, he certainly already has this season. Um I don't know. It'll be interesting putting him against a Corbin Burns who's also tried and tested. A person that we right. predicted a no-hitter for earlier. We did earlier. predict a Corbin Burns so, no-hitter. Uh, well, I mean, it was a combined no-hitter, <laughs> but I mean, he was starting yeah. and he was the reason that we predicted that game to, right, to right, be a right. no-hitter. So, uh, Corbin Wouldn't Burns. Have been a no without Corbin Burns. Insane season he's put up to this yeah. point. I mean, he started the year being as one of the best command pitchers in, in baseball, of course, not walking anyone over like 56 strikeouts that he had I mean some sort of insane stat line that he had and I think this series is really going to come down to how the Braves can react to that pitching from the Brewers I mean they have always I feel like that's something that the the Brewers always have is that elite right. pitching and this season with uh, Woodruff, Burns and Peralta combined as well as Hader and Williams who's not in the postseason lineup because he punched a wall and fractured his wrist. Yeah, celebrating. So, really <laughs> terrible to see. Yeah, you hear about guys like punching a wall like in a locker room, oh when they when they lose or like they their playoff hopes die or something. But no, this guy punched a wall celebrating a division win. That's that's pretty unheard of. But at the same time, it definitely will be interesting to watch the pitching in this series. I like Charlie Morton. I don't know if he's going to be up to beating out uh, Corbin Burns in this series, especially with the year he's had. The, this Brewers pitching staff has probably been one of the best we've in seen. In, best in baseball this season. Mm-hmm. One of the best in the MLB that's gone into the playoffs in the past few years. Like they, they've well, just been Well, I mean, you, you're completely oversighting the, the fact that, I mean, the Giants yeah. and the Dodgers have insane they pitching do. staffs. Right. Ungodly. I'm not, yeah, exactly. I'm saying they're on level with them. They are pretty I much. I think they are underrated. They, they are, are underrated. I think, I think that's just the Brewers in general. But yeah. I mean, one part of their game that isn't the, underrated yeah. is the, the isn't underrated <laughs> oh. is the offensive side of their game, which is always looking for improvement because that's where they lack. And if that's that's going to be the difference maker for them this postseason, and we mentioned that last episode, but we got to see something from Christian Yelich, or we have to see something from that offense that has been pretty mellow this entire season. I think it certainly didn't help their case that they played in a um, National League Central that was pretty much their division to lose. Obviously, the Cubs were not having it this season. Really, the only challenge that came for them in the regular season in their division were the Cardinals late in the late in the season. So I don't know how that lineup is going to be able to hold up. I have a special place in my heart for um, Christian Yelich. Uh, Colton Wong, obviously Willie Adames, who was uh, with the Rays for the longest time until he was traded this year. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how they will fare against Braves pitching. You feel like you won that trade? I feel like I feel like it was a trade that needed to happen for several reasons. Because Wander would not have been able to come up without that trade. Um, 
And the two people that we got in return um, were Drew Rasmussen, who has proven himself to be one of our most crucial uh, pitching pieces in our entire rotation, um, and J.P. Fireisen, who has been injured for a lot of the year, but he too has been a fantastic reliever. Um, so I think there, it's one of those rare trades where both teams are benefited. able to, both teams really benefited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting to see those type of kind of situations happen, but I would definitely go on to say that the, the Rays definitely had a bigger upside, of course, allowing Wander Franco to make it to that level of play of the major right. leagues. And you just can't hold a guy down there when he's two years in a row, number one rated prospect. you got to bring him up, of course, and it's so strange. He's such a young kid still. He's such a young kid still to be ranked that high for two years in a row and still just be like, under 21 he's like tony right mm-hmm. i you mean, can't he's under the legal drinking age and he's he can't celebrate with the team right <laughs> he can't celebrate with the team here so unfortunate for him but they want to be celebrating this season the rays do and so do the brewers and i have the brewers taking this series maybe i believe the brewers would take it in four or maybe mm, it's a difficult one because part of me just wants to say the brewers are going to sweep it i think i they don't might. i don't think they'll sweep it i think i'll take the brewers in four I, I do think they're much better equipped to for the postseason, especially with all the adversity the Braves have faced this year. But I, I don't think they'll sweep. I think the Bra- part of the reason the Braves are here is because of their resilience. And I think just no because Acuna. of that. No, That's no Acuna. That's the thing, is that they don't have Acuna. Right. They don't have Marcelo Zuna for unfortunate reasons that came out uh, earlier this year. Um, whatever we want to say about him personally, on paper, he was a big part of their offense. Right, and especially when it was last season with the Universal DH made it a very much more viable uh, free agency signing for them or trade for them. I forgot how Marcelo Zuna found himself on the Braves in the first place. But, I mean, yeah, I I feel like going into this series, though, despite the Braves having such a great lineup, I believe that the pitching staff and their bullpen is going to let them down. And uh, I think if the Brewers can just put up minimal offense against this Braves team, I think they should sweep this series, and I have them going into the championship series for sure. Against who? Well, that is the question for the other side of the divisional rounds when it's the big rivalry, big huge one. rivalry. Not as big as Yankees-Red Sox, but Giants versus the Dodgers, which has kind of been mitigated because of the rise of the Padres. They... Dodgers fans have now seemed to hate Padres fans way more, <laughs> but I mean, this used to be the the thing in the National League when the when they would face off against each other, and here they are in the division series. I mean, two of the best teams in baseball just separated by one game in the regular season, both a hundred win teams. This is going to be the one that you really want to pay attention to going down this stretch. I gotta say, I still am out on who's going to take this se- this series. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you. They're just so strong, right. both offensively and defensively. I mean, um, obviously, uh, L.A.'s rotation is incredible. Walker Bueller, I mean... It, Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer it's playing Kershaw if he comes back healthy. And then Urias as well. We yeah. can't... E- exactly. Like, we shouldn't even go into the list. There's so many. Um, but the Giants have just... I have not seen them vulnerable all season, um, so I don't know. I know that yeah. they they only have um, that one game differential. Um, if anybody could take the Giants out of 
of the running, it would be the Dodgers, I think. Right. I definitely think that uh, the Gi- I, I think that the Giants are going to take this series, though, only because it feels like just nothing has really broken wrong for them at all this season. Everything has gone right. They have momentum. I do think, I also think that the series, that them having home field advantage is going to help a lot, considering just how in, just how fierce that rivalry is anyway. I, I'm sure the fans will be out in full force in San Francisco. I, it's so tough, though, because on paper I agree, they are very seemingly, statistically, evenly matched this year. But it's also very easy to side with the Dodgers here, considering they just have talent in waves. Like, there's not a position on that team that is lacking in depth. Right, and we, Nate and I have been deeming this team, by the way, Camilo, the misfits of baseball, which is the, <laughs> mm-hmm. the Giants. I mean, just a bunch of groups of guys that just, for some reason, have found the best point in their career to peak at the same time, and you need that for any postseason run, any great season. But it just feels like almost that it would be too perfect if they go on and this this story this storyline just keep kept on building on top of each other. I feel like at some point... That it has to break. I don't know if I can believe in these these misfits to take out the Dodgers here. Of course, the World Series champs from last year. I mean, they're such a strong team. It's like... I... It feels like this series is going to decide who goes to the World Series in the NL. I think so. Yeah. There's a good chance of that, definitely. But in baseball, you know, you got yeah. to gotta hold off. Anything but I believe, I believe it's, in the same, I mean, it's in the same strain right there. It's like I, I will say it would be it would be pretty uh, sto- it would be storybook esque like a poetic ending for the Dodgers for them to lose at the hands of these misfits who finished only one game above them in the division. And not just that, I mean, just to go back on the point of how much money the Dodgers are spending on their players. Right. Of course, they have a lot of grown talent as well. But I mean, they went out and they 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 trade for Trey Turner, they trade for Scherzer, they go out and they sign. Trevor Bauer, who we won't get into right now, but I mean, they're willing to spend and put together an all-star lineup all the time, right? And here they are against a Giants team that is on one of the lower side of the payrolls, definitely for making the playoffs, and a bunch of old guys, old veterans like Evan Longoria, Buster Posey, and Brandon Crawford, a kind of long-time, well, not Evan Longoria so much to say, but a lot of long-time Giants to kind of put an end to the Dodger Blue season would be pretty interesting to see. And I'm not the biggest Dodger hater, nor am I a big Dodger supporter. But, I mean, I really don't... I feel pretty impartial in this series. It's going to be a fun one to watch. Right. I I don't think there's much emotional investment for me with either of these teams. So I'm just looking forward to sitting down and watching just what I think can be considered elite baseball. Hopefully for five games of it. As a Rays fan, you know, obviously... We're a little hurt by the the way last year ended up. So my heart says go with the Giants. Obviously, Evan Longoria, former franchise player for the Rays, there too. So that would make it even more poetic. Um, That's what my heart is saying. But my head, no idea. It'll be fun to watch it play out. We've been saying that this whole season, at least I've been saying that, that my brain always picks Dodgers in these matchups, and then they seem to let me down. So... I'm going to pick the Dodgers again here to, to <laughs> He's win. He's ready to get hurt again. I'm, I pick the Dodgers here to win this series. I think it's going to go all five. I want it to go all yeah, five. I and agree. I think it's going to take five games for the Dodgers to win, the, win out this National League Division Series to find themselves back in the Championship Series. Um, Brewers, Dodgers for me. What are you guys feeling? 
For me, uh, I really, since these two teams are so evenly matched, I feel like, I feel like I gotta go with what my heart says. I'm taking the Giants in five. I think they've had too good a year to let it end at the hands of a team that for the past few years has been the big brother of that division. I think they're gonna, I think they'll take it against the Dodgers. I think it's gonna be the Giants and Brewers in the NLCS. I would agree. I would agree very, very slightly. Um, have to give the slight edge to the Giants and Giants and Brewers. Um, I think I think there's a clear winner there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, upsets happen in baseball. I love it. That's the beauty of the sport. I mean, I hate the one game playoffs, but we could have seen it with the Cardinals upsetting upsetting the Dodgers. That would have been a really fun that would have been right. incredible. That would have been yeah. extremely <laughs> positive for baseball. Maybe not for the ratings of baseball, but yeah. mm-hmm. for the hardcore fans and the diehard fans, we would have absolutely loved to see that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially on a season where it's Wainwright and Yadier Molina. This yeah. is their second to last season. Obviously, Wainwright having a career year at age 40, which doesn't make sense. Yeah. But, I mean, he's just having, having a great season. It had to come to an end. And every season has to come to an end in the playoffs. And, and similarly to that, every podcast has to come to an end. So, although it was a fun time that we got to share our opinions and we are having a longer episode today than most days. But it was a fun episode. Camilo, we really appreciate you coming on to the pod today. So a really special thank you to Avil opening your schedule for this Friday afternoon and for this weekend edition of the Two Scene Podcast. I hope you enjoyed your time here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I was. Uh, I hope I didn't say anything uh, too incendiary this time. I don't think oh, so. No, I think you were great. It was a pleasure to have you here. We hope to have you next week if exactly. you are open yeah, to I'd it. I'd love to. But yes. And with that, we thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Two Scene Podcast. We'll be out with another episode this. Tu- we'll be out to record another episode this Tuesday, and we'll be uploading on Wednesday. If you want to follow follow us along. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tyler underscore underscore Foy and at Lannon underscore Nate. And be sure to follow our friend Camillo on Twitter at Fonseca underscore ESQ. I have been Nate Lannon. Thank you so much for tuning into the Two Scene Podcast, and we will see you next time.